Should you be investing everything into integrating and adopting artificial intelligence? I'm asking this question because the longer it seems to go on, the conversation around AI doesn't seem to be dying out, especially when it comes to the workplace. At this point, if you haven't had someone pitch you an idea or product about how AI can fix this or automate that, I would be genuinely surprised. But when you scratch beneath the surface, is AI really all it's cracked up to be? I mean, should a startup be investing everything they have into AI just because there's a lot of money going into that space? What about the individual developers out there that are skilling up? Should they be investing all their time and energy into learning AI technologies because it is the new hotness and that's where all the work's going to be? In this episode of Remember the Human, I talked to Jared Kozak, CEO of Carve IT. Carve IT is a startup company responsible for developing MoveRight, a software as a service platform for moving companies. In our conversation, we talk about whether or not startups, individual developers, and even the occasional big enterprise on whether or not they should be investing everything into integrating and adopting artificial intelligence. This episode was recorded live at the Scared Shitless Starting a Company event in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. With a brief introduction and outro segment that I did with Jared afterwards because I forgot to push the record button. So if you're wondering why the audio changes a little bit, that's why. My bad. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Jared on this episode of Remember the Human. Jared, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, David. Yeah. So just for folks at home, I just wanted to let them know that we did this great interview and I forgot to push record for the beginning. And so Jared was kind enough to let me follow up with them nearly about three weeks later to answer some of the missing questions and fill in some of the blanks. Um, so Jared, I like to ask people this one question, which is the most important question of the entire podcasting process, which is... When you think of the term artificial intelligence, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah, so running, I guess, a more traditional SaaS company, it's often, you know, very beneficial to look at what kind of features you can you can build out and um, how you can continue to find efficiencies. So when I think of artificial intelligence, I'm often going back to the the the, the realm that I know very well, which is SaaS and and uh, startups and building companies. So when I when I when I think of artificial intelligence, um, I'm thinking about the business case, the use case. What okay. kind of what kind of problems can it can it solve for my for my business for my company um, to differentiate myself from competitors to uh, help help compete ultimately in this market. But then I'm also thinking about what are some of the longer term implications? Um, for example, in solving a lot of these problems, some of them are monetary. Some of them are how can we cut costs in certain regards, especially being in this market, how can AI cut costs for, uh, for a, a typical company um, and, and solve that problem? Because that, that is a problem in itself, is re reducing that overhead while yeah. also trying to build Say, for example, a better customer service experience or just a better experience using those platforms. And um, there's there's a, a whole uh, whack load of things that you can do with uh, with these tools. So it's 
um, it, it's pretty beneficial. You can look at data science, you can look at um, different algorithms that you can apply or just even have it do a lot more complex auto uh, automations for you that you wouldn't have been able to typically do with just a traditional computer science background. So when I think of artificial intelligence, I think of the future of a lot of SaaS and a lot of these, uh, okay. these businesses. I like your answer, I got to say, is by far the most practical, nice, great professional answer. Everyone comes back with generally RoboCop or Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great answer. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, thank you, David. going into that, into that headspace of like being assessed, this is the question we did answer at the podcast or at the, at the event, the live event that people will listen to in a minute, but you started kind of getting to you. So you run a SaaS startup and you know, AI is this hot topic. Like it's everyone's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Everyone, and it, mm -hmm. The potential is massive. And yeah. Do you think that all like you have a startup, should you be investing everything in AI now just to kind of because it is the new hotness and everyone's and it's got a lot of attention. So what's your take on that? If if, if startups should be investing a lot or everything into AI? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Uh, AI right now in my space, in my very specific niche, which is moving companies yeah. uh, and how can you run their operations more effectively? AI and ChatGPT and that kind of stuff is the number one trending topic and has, in, in terms of our own sales metrics, has outperformed any other funnel that we've ever done uh, when it comes to just mentioning those pieces. Yeah. So just by bringing in the buzzword, it um, it has brought in a lot of uh, sales for us and, and is, interesting. is building out uh, an interesting process. But how can you go beyond the buzzword to actually differentiate yourself from a competitor um is uh is, is is interesting in in that regard so i think that from i guess a surface level just trying to figure out what kind of problems you can solve for your customers with ai yeah. um is is beneficial just by just by mentioning it you can start those conversations and especially if you can bring them a solution to a problem that you know that they have uh that's that's huge even just in starting the conversation bringing them into the fold of your uh your, your entire ecosystem your entire business um i think that there's there's a lot of value there and um uh i i i think that every company should consider how they can incorporate this stuff or look at tools that already exist right um that can help you accelerate your efficiencies so for example you can there's uh i forget the name of it but there's there's a law tool that will help you negotiate documents um oh, awesome. and and tell you <laughs> hey you should look at you should look at this little piece and and uh ask for this instead right um there's a whole bunch of other gpts that are just recently being released too with uh, with chat gpt um that for example help you negotiate better or help you build prompts or um tell you how to sell a product and, and, and those kind of specializations. I think that there's a, there's a lot of, lot of value there. Uh, and then also tools like building yourself a vector database. Yeah. Uh, so a vector database is when you can basically put all of your data into ChatGPT and ChatGPT can look it up for you um, and tell you uh, more about a specific topic based on your information. So uh, if you're, uh, an insurance company and you have certain SOPs that you might want to put into this database so that sales agents can ask a question really quickly yeah. instead of having to go read through SOPs, there's a ton of efficiency that can be made there. So when it comes to um, 
there's, there's kind of two facets, I guess. You can either incorporate it into the core business model of your business. Yep. I think that's a little bit more difficult to do. But if you just want to kind of get your feet wet, look at some of the tools out there that are even beyond just ChatGPT that are incorporating some of these pieces and, and, and build that into your business. I think there's a lot of value there. That's really cool. So I'm going to add a bonus, a bit of a bonus piece to this because I'm going to lead into it. So as a CEO of a startup, how are you using AI now? If you can talk about that. One of the pieces that we're looking at doing is how can we incorporate AI into that, that initial sales process, okay. um, help, help moving companies with their initial funnels. And then from that, how can we help them use these tools? I, I won't get uh, uh, super deep into it, yep. but how can we use these tools to just make their operations and their processes more effective. That's, that's a pretty big piece that we're looking into currently. That's really um, cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. That's awesome. Okay. Well with that, I think we're going to get people into the into the actual rest of the interview. Do you have anything you want to give people to the audience uh, before they get into uh, the conversation? Any, any highlights, any tips you want to give them before they hear us chat for the next? Yeah. Just make sure that you are looking, as you're building businesses um, that are centered around these pieces, make sure that you're fundamentally solving a problem that your customers have and understand your customers super well. Because if you don't understand your customers, how can you expect an AI to? Okay, perfect. And now through the magic of editing, I'm going to transport all of us over to the King's Head Pub in Winnipeg, Manitoba for the Scared Shitless Starting a Company event where Jared and I will continue the conversation. So... Now let's think. I want to think of it from a couple different levels. Like, let's talk about it from like the startup angle because that's where you're coming from. But I also want to talk about it from the individual angle. So, I'm a new developer. I'm fresh out of school. I'm trying to find a new job. Whatever it is, I'm trying to do. Should I be spending all of my time investing in generative AI technology from a learning perspective? Should I, is that should be that should that be my new thing? Mm -hmm. I think it could have potential. I've actually got a friend in the industry that has investors and VCs reaching out to him just because he's been really involved in the prompt space and understanding how all these APIs can work together and you know you've got really crazy cool innovations that have come out of this space like for example you've got actors that are talking to each other and in the gen AI space and there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff that having someone that's an expert in all of these areas is really valuable but at the end of the day as a developer as an engineer it's just a tool in your toolkit. Uh, you're, you're looking at solving a problem, is AI going to be the best solution? Or maybe maybe there's something like a, a statistical model that's going to work better for you in the long run, be a little bit more affordable, and maybe even quicker to build out. What's the fastest way that you can build something out? Um, it's probably going to be through other technologies. Are you really good at the other side of the stack? Can you can you build a front end? Can you build a back end? Do you know about um, you know SQL databases? You, you really got to do a lot of research and, and history around the space before you kind of just jump in. I think it's good to have that foundational knowledge and your, your learning should be focused around what what is needed in the market. And if you look online, there's not a lot of those jobs. There might be in the future. There might be something that you want to focus on kind of on a, on a tertiary basis, but ultimately you should be looking at building up your full stack capabilities. So speaking from the university perspective, like a bigger, if someone walked into an interview at the university and showed us hey, let me show you how I'm going to transform the University of Manitoba with generative AI. It would be a very short interview. <laughs> like, we're just not interested in that. Like, we, that's just not something that we are very risk adverse. Large enterprises generally are, right? Now, startups, I would assume, 
can get a bit of an edge using it. But again, to your point, right? It's not gonna, def it, it shouldn't define your company. You should define the problem you're actually solving and then using generative AI to do that. So do you think this applies to just like any technology or is it just generative AI or is this, or I hate to pick on blockchain people, but blockchain is like that last one, right? Like there's so much hype over that. Everything had to be blockchain. Everything had to be metaverse. Facebook changed its name because of hype. Like, I think so. They're still pushing it, but like, what do you do with like, how, like, how do we do that with AI? Should we just change all of our name, all of our company names to AI things? Should we carve AI instead of carve IT or? Man, I was at the Google Cloud Next conference in San Francisco last month uh, where every single conversation revolved around AI. <laughs> like you talk to, you go up and you talk to people, they'd start talking about AI. You'd go to a, an event and it had AI in the title. Like it, it was nonstop just going over all the different things that different companies were doing in the AI space and it's a Google partner event. So there's there's other stuff going on, right? Yeah. Um, and so is this AI stuff just blocking out everything else that's going on or is this just the hot thing that everyone's talking about? Probably, yeah. And you, you look at other technologies in the space like, like blockchain or even like progressive web apps or things that have so much promise and maybe aren't as flashy or exciting, but just kind of fizzle out or they're still in the background and maybe there will be a renaissance or a resurgence yep. um, at some point, but these, uh, you, were, you were mentioning before, you've got uh, your, your graph of product adoption where you, um, you really need to focus on where are you in that stage and, and, and what, will, what will come from that. So this is a good moment. So this is a great use of AI. All of the images were generated over a lunch today and I, has anyone heard of Gartner and they're like the trough of disillusionment? Does anyone know about this chart? So I, the trough, what happens is when you're looking at a peak, I don't have the slide up here, but this is a prompt I used. New business owner about to fall off a scary cliff into the trough of disillusionment, which is filled with scary looking technology, comma, computer art. So Gartner has this chart that shows the hype cycle for technology and it climbs up to the peak of enlightenment and then it kind of falls off into the trough of disillusionment. So it gets worse before it gets better. Then you have this slope of enlightenment where things get better, okay? There's something fascinating about generative AI is that there's no technology past the, the peak of enlightenment. Everything's about to fall off a cliff. There's like 45 dots on this chart. And I wanted to get some art that inspired that because if you're looking at generative AI, like you need to be in it for the long haul. Because based on the Gartner data, again, Gartner, not, I'm saying that that's not all the right stuff, but if you look at the Gartner data, you've got a good 18 to two, month, two years, or 18 months to 24 months, before that starts to actually improve. So you think about that from an investment point of view, right? I'm thinking about it from a startup, or if I was gonna recommend a company, like what were you gonna look at? That would be one of the high risks. As a solution architect, I don't talk about money, I talk about risk and benefit and reward, right? There's huge risk right now in adopting generative AI if you can't weather that storm, that trough of disillusionment. You're gonna fall off the cliff like some of these other folks were. Look, there's a new, new tech box, it's full of scary things. You don't know what's gonna happen. I love AI art, it's so great. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah, being an early adopter in the industry can have lots of benefits. Like, you, you're, you're the first people there, you're the first movers, but at the end of the day, how do you know that that's going to be the solution or someone's not gonna come in with more resources and replace you? I'm in an industry, the, the moving industry, that there's moving CRMs that have existed for 25, 30 years, and they've learned a lot of the lessons the hard way, and now I can go in and I can see what lessons they learned and take that and put it into my business and, and make it better that way. Yep. You know, there's, there's mistakes that have been made already that I can, I can learn from, and 
maybe you can wait two years until you really get into this and learn from the mistakes that people have already made in the industry and wait for that resurgence. No, it's true. I was actually, I interviewed someone on a podcast, the, the, an old web dev friend of mine from the Netherlands, and one of the things he talked about was I mean, he's built his own personal AI assistant that started out as a Twitch chatbot. So he was a live coder, he built a chatbot as a, just a project to do on stream, and he slowly built it into like a personal assistant with a character and a voice in this whole thing. And I was like, well, what skills did you need for this, man? Like, what did you do? And he's like, dude, we were web MVPs. Like, that's what we did. We we're web people. It's all web. So if you're a web developer, again, like to your point earlier, it's just RESTful APIs. If you want to develop and mold your own models and do all this, that is a niche skill set. Like data mining and you know, data science has been a technology thing that's been around for a lot longer than generative AI. Right? So you can leverage that, but I mean, as a regular developer, there's some good benefits there, but again, it's just learning to apply that technology, and again, going back to what problem you're solving. But I want to circle back to something you, that we've been talking about here, is we've kind of been implying this idea of risk. Right? We talked about early adopter risk. What other risks would there, can you think of from, again, from the Carve IT perspective and move right, if you were to adopt the generative AI solution today? Yeah, you could look at regulatory risks, for example. You're looking at a, a political environment that hasn't really been established yet. We don't really know what it's going to look like. Is the moving industry or just you know the uh, uh, DOT, the Department of Trans Transportation in the US, are they going to regulate that, oh, you can't plug these things into, um, into your CRMs or you, you can't plug your data into um, uh, these generative AIs? You look at things like the Writing Guild down, down yeah. south, um, where they have banned uh, the, the movie industry from using ChatGPT and those kind of tools to uh, generate their scripts for them. And that was part of the whole contract negotiations and the, the, the strike down there. So you, you look at something like that, and maybe there's a whole product that was built around making movies and making scripts for movies in the AI, uh, or in just the, the movie ecosystem and, and how how could that potentially be that now applied to other industries? Um, what, what kind of regulations will, will come around it, especially when we don't, we don't know anything about it? We don't know what kind of implications it might have or how that could then be used by the AI for some malicious harm, you know? Yep. No, there's other stuff too. Like the other thing I think of too is, so for context to, to date how old I am in terms of technology, I was a Internet Explorer MVP on purpose which meant that was before web development was cool. And one of the things that came out of Internet Explorer, if anyone even remembers what that is, if you've been around that long, is web standards, right? Web standards and cross-browser standards. Now, it's not perfect by any stretch yet, but the standardization effort was something that broke applications all over the place. It kept breaking them over and over and over again. And AI is having a similar setup with that where you have vendors, it's, it feels a lot like the browser wars. You have these core AI vendors right now that are busy trying to rush all this stuff to market and they're not standardized and they have their own spec. So if you're gonna support open AI, that's fantastic. But what about Meta's version? What about Google's version? What about the, you know, the next one, Anthropic is the other one I think from Amazon, they're investing heavily in them. So like, which one do you pick? And there are tools like Langchain exists, there are tools out there for developers to leverage, but it's a pretty early day, like adopting what feature sets you need, which vent and they want you to be vendor locked in. It, it just, it smells like Internet Explorer all over again. And one of them's gonna end up on top and being that de facto standard, and maybe it's OpenAI, because they're big, but Google's been in the search business and the AI, AI business for a lot longer. 
they're still pretty good too. Like if you look at it versus ChatGPT, ChatGPT is still like they're they're still pretty on par. Right? Yep. So there's a lot of options out there. So bringing it back to again, that's a risk. Is like as standards are introduced, can you weather that storm over the next two years? Right. Again, early adopter ROI, but there's that whole aspect of if the standards are going on, can you update your application fast enough to adopt them? Also, when I how you said regulation, there's also legislation, mm. right? Like the EU has been doing a lot of work around standardizing how models go. And I think, I think it's MIT did a study on this recently showing that all of the, the top 30 models or whatever, it's a Gartner paper that commented on it, but most models don't meet the EU standard for AI transparency. Most of them. Like, it's a shocking, like, like if, so if they implemented that today, like, if anyone was around for GDPR, man, like, oh, that was a day, <laughs> you know? Like when you introduce legislation like that, that's so heavy and so far reaching and no one meets the spec. So what do you do then? Now you just, I guess, stop doing business in Europe. Again, hopefully you're not, hopefully Europe's not a big market for you because if it is, better have a way to turn that off because I certainly wouldn't have that. The University of Manitoba doesn't have that. We, GDPR was our problem. If AI became a thing, if we adopted AI, it would instantly be on our radar of like, this is a high big problem that we need to worry about. I think that when it comes to selecting which choice of AI you want to use in your business, it's, it's important to make that consideration pretty high on your decision matrix, essentially, is making sure that you're, you're picking AI that is much more transparent, um, is potentially open source so that you can see how it was developed, how it was built, something that can be transferred to um, uh, other models in the future, so you don't get that boundary lock in. I think that's that's for future. But I'm I'm also a big proponent of open source stuff. I mean, Linux all the way and yeah. that kind of thing. But. And if you haven't heard of Hugging Face and you're looking at AI, that's that's your buzzword for the day. Look up Hugging Face. It's actually a thing. I promise. And they're looking. They're a big driver for open source models. I'm a big mm. big fan of that too. Although Meta is doing a lot of work and in releasing that stuff in there, which is kind of confusing to me. But that's all other story. Um, but what about security? So Matthew was talking about that earlier, like. Should you be using this to put your intellectual property in? Would you going to take move rights intellectual property and just kind of throw it into ChatGPT to see if it can make it better? Like, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on using that as a dev. Yeah, um, there's a lot of companies that are trying to do that. You got GitHub Copilot, you got GitLab is doing the same thing as well. They're just putting skins on a lot of these, uh, a lot of these existing AIs and asking them to to autocomplete code for you, right? And that can be super valuable. So you've got some. And devs here, Alexander, like you, you were working with some of that too, and you, you, were, you were seeing that you had a lot of really like massive speed improvements while, while you're using that stuff. Um, I think at, like at this point, you kind of have to weigh what are the benefits, what are the cons. Is is what we have super proprietary and, and like super um, confidential that we absolutely have to? But you also have to look at the, the terms and conditions. How how much of that are they now going to use in their models and continue to build out their models? They're not going to release it or anything, but yeah. it could get released if somebody asks it the right thing. You know, you look at uh, the open source projects um, that have existed that were that were training GitHub Copilot, and you ask it to spit out code that does a very specific thing for that model, and it will spit out code that looks exactly like that open source project. Is are they now going to be using the data that we're giving it that they're training on our code bases that are private and confidential? Which they, they likely won't be. A lot of them say that yeah. they don't, but they could be. Yeah, and um, but there are huge benefits to it. This is one of the things that we're. I have a great U of M story about this. So, for those that don't know, if, if you've ever registered for a class at the university, um, you deal with my system, which is Banner or Aurora. If everyone's heard of Aurora, so that's me. I'm in charge of Aurora. Don't hate me. 
Um, but here's a weird thing. I was talking to Jeff earlier about this. And the weird thing, so I took over the ERP because Aurora is not only just the student information system for registering courses and all this other stuff, it's also the finance system. And I took the job because the guy that had it before me said, we can't modernize the system. This is a job. You're going to die in this chair if you take this job, I'm telling you. I said, fantastic. Hold my beer. Let's do this. And so now we're actually the fastest moving project to the University of Manitoba. And what's interesting is we have all these junior divs that we, they want to be on my project. So we were a custom Oracle database nightmare thing. So if you're a developer and you know those words, I'm so sorry. Um, but now we've turned those people into React developers over a course of six months. And they used to write custom PLSQL that generated HTML3, because that's as far as the spec went back then. That's it's a nightmare. No closing tags in HTML3, folks. It's fantastic. But we had to take those people and we had to transport their skill set, because they need to understand Aurora. They need to understand the new flavor of Aurora that we're upgrading to. And that's all React-driven. It's API-driven. There's no database access. It's a completely different model. We gave them ChatGPT. We gave them some training. Don't get me wrong, we did like a full-on React training thing. We did a Udemy course, it was great. But then we gave them this ChatGPT stuff. She wrote it into the chat window and bloop, out shows up the code she understands. She's like, oh my god, I get this. I'm like, this is messed up, <laughs> but fantastic. It's like watching a time machine happen in front of your eyes. It's, it's disturbing. But now that lady who's, again, custom weirdo language code stuff on old PHP, is now like our leading React developer. She's like all like, let's do this, let's put more, let's just kill more code. And we're like, yeah, you should. <laughs> and that was where that benefit came in, because she could get, she, the training we got them in traditionally was, it's one person, right? You have a trainer, and that trainer's gonna explain something to you three times over, and they're gonna go, okay, like if you don't get it now, I'm out of ideas. But ChatGPT doesn't get tired of explaining it to you. It can explain it to you in 45 languages. Right? And you just get that benefit for having that skill set. And we just kind of gave them that. And on top of that, we found out this is good because of the, the privacy thing. We said, don't put real code in there. Don't put secrets in there. But now, if you are a Microsoft 365 person, which most people are, you have your own enterprise-grade ChatGPT bot built into your subscription, as long as you're paying like for an A3 or an A5 or an E3 or A5. So it's a very low-level license. You just get a freebie, safe ChatGPT client to work with which is amazing. So now, again, we've moved our devs, they're like, oh, stop using the public one, because that's the that was risky in the first place. But now, let's try this one. And they're just running with it. <coughs> Security and privacy are a thing. I think we've figured out, though, I think it's safe to say at this point, we just shouldn't adopt new technology in general. Um, it's all risky, it's all scary, everything's bad all of the time. Look at these scary pictures. Like, look, we're back to the trough of disillusionment, folks. It's really, it's a terrifying nightmare out there. I really love this new tech box. I'm really so happy with this. But when do you decide to adopt the new technology? Like, like using it from a startup perspective, like when do you decide that's the thing we're going to use? Like when do you when do you go about that for yourself? You watched a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kill me. Oh, that's no, good. No. You're, I, I I don't know. I feel like there's there's so many benefits to adopting mm -hmm. some new technology uh, like the OpenAI stuff. I, I, uh, I really feel like you really got to dive deep into it um, before you can really understand how you can 
utilize this technology. So it's, it's good to learn and, and good to go into stuff and set very clear goals for yourself. As you're, I, I learned to program in the hard way. I had a project that I needed to, to build for my school, essentially, uh, when I was in high school, and I needed to figure out how to build a web application. I didn't really know what a web application was. I was gonna build a thing in Greenfoot. Um, so as you're trying to figure out, oh, should I be adopting this new technology, you should be looking at, will it get me to point Z, right? Um, I'm at point B or point C at this point in time, but as, as, as you're trying to figure out the problem that you're solving, you, you, gotta, you gotta explore it from, from that perspective, right? And, and set really clear goals about what you're trying to do. No, I think that's really that's a really good point. And it's not only just about the clear goals, but also a clear. And we talked about this uh, previously, like before the this, was that you clearly need to understand the problem you're trying to solve. And I think that's a lot of people. I'm not sure. I wouldn't speak to business, but I will say to the university and from technology, I have a lot of developers that just they're so excited about technology. And I think like there's a great quote. I just like apparently Sachin Adela said this like technology people are the best at hyping themselves up over nothing. Like it's a paraphrase, but it's it's not wrong, right? Like Met, like Facebook changing its name to Meta is a great example of that. I always kind of fall back on that example. Like they were so sure that Metaverse like no 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 after this pandemic you're gonna want to sit in your chairs with a headset on. It's like okay, it's a big bet. <laughs> but you think about it, like what problem were they solving? And I still haven't seen a great answer for that because they kept on showing these demos. I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to pick on Meta, but they were, they were so popular and they were so public. Like, they did this big demo. I finally sat down and watched one. And they said, like, look, your avatar has legs. It's like, what problem are you solving for me at work with this information? Like, what am I, what am I doing with this? And like they, I still don't think they have that answer. I think they need to take that step back. And I think that applies to anything, like your point A to point Z. What problem are you actually trying to solve with AI, with blockchain, with metaverse, with whatever technology you want to pick? It doesn't matter, right? Should I pick a web app or should I pick a desktop app? Something way simpler. What problem are you trying to solve? What difference does it make? Really think about that. Understand the problem you're solving. And I want to emphasize this for all the technology people in the room. Your problem statement should not include technical buzzwords. If you can, you, if you can like, if you suddenly start talking about AI as the problem in the problem statement, you've you got to solve a business problem. Your business people, your business startups, you're, you do a moving company. You help moving companies get there. If you walk into a room of people that move things for a living, you say, let me tell you about my generative AI capabilities. <laughs> no, they would laugh at me. I'm talking to guys that are in their 60s, 70s. They don't want to even look at a computer for the day. <laughs> I talk about using iPads and they laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But that, that, that kind of solidifies the point though. The technology, but great technology is like plumbing. Okay? Technologists are like plumbers. You don't ever want to talk about your plumber. Think about your toilet. You don't go like, what a great toilet your bathroom has. You know, you have a new house. But you don't want to hear that compliment. But you're going to hear someone talk about your toilet when it's not working. And it's really bad when it's not working, right? Like everyone's like, oh, that's the worst party I've ever been to. Did you see that bathroom? It's a nightmare. Technology is the same way. If you are talking about the technology as your hype, and that's the thing that you're selling, you've missed the point. No one cares about the technology. The technology should be plumbing. It should work great all of the time and be completely invisible. So here's a great, a great line, and I want to see if you agree with this. 
got asked this question from, from the CIO, and I don't know if I was supposed to say this, but I said it anyway. I said, tell me what you think a great deployment looks like. Like what, like what are the characteristics of a great software upgrade or deployment? And the first answer, I got my fan up first, and I said, the greatest deployments are nothing happens. Literally nothing. No one talks about it. The, the, the best compliment I ever got after one of the ERP upgrades is the first one that ever happened. We went back to work on Monday after the upgrade, and they said, we were all tired. We were up all night making sure everything was stable. And we had another meeting with like a VP of something. Like, you all look really tired. And a really nice way of saying you look like crap, whatever, I'll take it. And they go, yeah, the ERP upgrade happened. Aurora was upgraded over the weekend. They're like, oh, did that happen? <laughs> Best compliment in the world. Now, the devs did not say, like, like, I stayed up all weekend. Do you have any idea how hard that was? It's like, they don't and they really don't care. That's great. You're doing your job great. Like, do you, uh, from, a, from the startup side of it, like, you're selling move right. You're getting people adopted. Like, 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 in terms of adoption, like, what have you seen in terms of that? Like, when, it, when people are taking it on, like, do they come back and be like, let me tell you about the technology. Like, what, are they, what else do they end up doing? Like, what do you see as a success for adopting new technology? Because I can imagine you're moving, like, a moving company adopting a SaaS. That's not no trivial feat. So tell me some success stories. Like, what does that success story look like to you for move right? Yeah, the, the most successful thing that I can, I can see is people not contacting the support line, essentially. There's, there's been days where the support line has been dead or empty, and it's like, what, what is going on? Are people using the platform? You go back, you look at the analytics, okay, it's not down. Like, we're still, we're still up, things are still moving. So when you don't get that support, it can be kind of eerie in a way, because yeah, you're building, you're, you're trying to move as fast as you can and break things um, because you're, you're going fast. And so there's days where maybe you didn't break something the day before and, and things are going well, but because you're, you're moving fast, you're just always getting complaints about, well, this thing was built that way and I liked it that way, so I built a new version and they, this other person doesn't like the new version, um, but this new person loves the new version. So then which, which, do, you, which do you go with? You, you can never necessarily win in that perspective when you're in a startup and you are moving fast and you need to get that customer data as fast as possible. Um, like that, that can be really, really difficult, but um, it, it's really just about like moving, moving quickly in, in this yep. industry. Um, moving quickly. Exactly. Let's see what he did there? Play on words. Moving company. No? Okay, fine. Fair enough. That's cool. I appreciate it. I thought it was good. <laughs> I want to talk about some of the better sides of this. So we kind of alluded to a couple of the benefits of, of using it. So like, let's say you find that problem where generative AI comes in. So you do writing on the, uh, as a side thing, right? Until you get your big new novel. That's going to be a great day. But what are some of the benefits you would see? So you find that problem and you say, like, generative AI is a great fit for this. Like, tell me what that looks like to you in your world where you start to adopt that technology. What, what's a benefit of doing that beyond, like, mm -hmm. adopting any other technology? Like, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, if, if I was able to find a solution that would... I could see a very clear value of, okay, you've got, you're spending so and so much on doing this specific thing, and there's clearly a value for, for this company. I'm talking about the perspective of like B2B SaaS, not necessarily an, an individual, but if I can see, oh, are they going to save money by using this product, or are, is it going to bring in more value for them that they wouldn't have had otherwise? Is it, I, I'd hate to use this too, is it going to replace an individual that they're currently spending a lot of money on that could be perhaps doing something else, something a little bit more productive um, than just answering basic level support? tickets or something like that, like something where you can 
either find more value that otherwise wouldn't have been there or optimize some operation. I feel like this is where you're gonna find the, the most impact in, in that kind of tool. That makes a lot of sense. I think one of the things that, that in terms of adopting something early, I think like Marcus can account for this as well, is we were talking about what to call tonight. About, we were gonna talk about technology, that's all we knew. And then we literally said, I'm like, well, I got this talk on AI that I do, and we ended up turning it into this conversation that you're all witnessing. But <laughs> we both agreed, like, if we put AI at the end of the title, we'll probably fill up half the chairs. You know, like people will just show up. And I've tested this out at conferences, just to be very clear, I've gone to a conference, so I'm gonna do a talk on AI. Boom, room's full. I'm like, are you an expert? I'm like, nah, I don't, I just put it on the title. It's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it, it's gonna be good. And I've had repeatedly, like it's huge success that way. But you, if you look at it from a business side, or if I was at the university and doing a pitch, so you put AI on something, you're gonna get people looking. Now that's not gonna last forever. I wanna be very clear. Remember, trough of disillusionment, it's gonna crash and burn pretty good. Money's gonna probably disappear. That's gonna happen. But while it's there, if you can get some people in the door, it's not gonna hurt you. And I wanna emphasize this, it's not gonna hurt you if you use it correctly and you know what your answer is about like how you wanna use it. Avoid raw, rough demos. I'm gonna use an example of integration platform as a service. I went to a very expensive conference in Las Vegas uh, earlier this year called the Gartner App and Innovation Summit. And we were looking for an integration platform for the university, me and the program manager. And every single one of them wanted to show us their generative AI capabilities. Let me show you how ChatGPT fits into our integration platform. We're like, I didn't ask, but okay. And like, watch, I'm gonna integrate this database with this database, I'm just gonna write text. I'm like, cool. Every demo on that sales floor failed spectacularly. Like, we have a 15 minute window to see as many of these booths as we can. And we just see a spinning icon for each one of them. And they're like, no, 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 wait, it, it's really good. And then just like, sad face, a really cute artistic failure icon shows up. And they're like, well, it usually works, but we think the Wi-Fi is, I'm like, well, your network's still working. It looks like, oh, there, it looks fine to me. Can you explain this to me, salesman? Doesn't go really well. Like, really know the problem you're solving and highlight how you're going to use it, but don't like lean into it too hard. Like, you don't need, the best demo we saw there, and this was bizarre, they're like, they did this demo of their product and they got us in the door by saying generative AI. So we're like, let's go check. Like, we have to check. Like, why not? This is gonna be nuts. Guy walks in, does his whole pitch, and he goes, and generative AI is the future and it's coming soon. I'm like, is that it? He's like, yep. That's what he said to me. He said, yep. I'm like, okay. But, but it was actually, it went really well because we're like, he kind of gets it. Because generative AI was so raw and new, like there was just, it wasn't even being used that much by, like OpenAI was the only one. There was no Llama released commercially. There was no other data earlier this year. Like there was no com competition yet. So the fact that all these massive vendors went to this exceptionally expensive conference, did a demo and they botched it in front of not just us, like everybody. And then I'm mean and I say, oh, it looks like your network's fine. You should probably fix your product. And then they walk away. You know, that's not helpful. I'm really mean to salespeople. I'm sorry, salespeople in the room. I pick on UI conferences. But that's kind of the thing. I think there's an interesting story that you did get me in the door. So just don't waste that opportunity and have an answer, right? Say, this is how we think it's going to work. This is the problem we think it's going to solve. This is what we can, you can get that clout internally at your organizations. It works really well as a self-marketing tool. 
Like it really does get people in the door, but really have an answer. Know what problem you're going to solve. Don't just, don't just sell them on it like that guy, like that yep guy that I was telling you about. Don't be that guy. Have a little bit more than that. But also I feel like it's good to keep experimenting. Keep, Absolutely. Keep learning in this field. Keep trying to figure out how this technology could still be applied. Um, you've got all these companies that are throwing mud at the wall, trying to see what sticks with AI. And that can be a good thing. You know, you just got to get out there and, and try some stuff and start problem solving. You can't find those problems without talking to people. And sometimes you just have to start saying, oh, we can, we can do Gen AI. We don't know what that means in our company yet. And that's what I feel like a lot of these companies are doing is just trying to figure out how Gen AI is going to fit into their future. Nobody really knows that yet. Um, the ones that are, I feel like, are, are going fairly far, but yeah. a lot of them are just kind of seeing what sticks. And they're just projects that will be a, a short-term project and not necessarily something that will have a longer-standing value that is solving a real problem. No, I'm totally with you. I think we're going to wrap it up here pretty quickly here to open up some questions to the audience if that's okay. I'm going to put you all on the spot now. Now it's, now it's up to you to make this thing really entertaining. No, I'm just kidding. We'll be nice to you. Well, unless you're a salesperson, don't ask me a question. I'll probably pick on you. Um, but like, just to kind of draw it to a close, right? the conclusions I think we got out of here are AI, just like any other new technology, it's new, specifically generative AI. So if you're an individual, right? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Please talk over me. It's totally fine. But if you're an individual, it can at least get you some, some hype, right? People will notice you talking about it. There's gonna, you're gonna get extra clicks. You're gonna, I mean, you might get that interview with an interesting portfolio piece, but don't be, if that's your only selling point, realize that the other skills around it are probably way more critical than just the generative AI ones, right? If you do the Udemy course on generative AI, and then that's it, and you think you're gonna land that awesome job, like, hey, if you manage to talk your way through that interview, fantastic. If you can hold that job, I will be shocked. Because generative AI is really just platformy web stuff. You need to understand that stuff a lot better, and you need that developer experience. Um, on top of that, in integrating it into your exacting, uh, into your existing workflow, right? Coding with an AI assistant, huge win. Like that's an easy win for everybody here, and it's practically free. Make like GitHub Copilot's more expensive, but you can use ChatGPT, or if you want to, if you have a VPN, use Google Bard. Like Google Bard's spectacular. Right? It'll explain all kinds of code. Google Bard will crash on COBOL code, though. I did that in front of a demo. It crashed horribly. ChatGPT, totally cool with it, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but keep that in mind. A lot of COBOL work coming up in the finance sector. Um, and I think just like any, any other technology, like Gen AI has a lot of potential, but it's still untapped. We still don't know. Right? You really need to understand the problem you're trying to solve with generative AI, just like you would any other technology. And I will emphasize this for folks, your tech, your problem statement should not be a technical problem statement. Your technology is like plumbing. You don't want people talking about it. Shouldn't be the focus. But yeah, we want to be that next unicorn out of Manitoba. Like, think about the problem you're solving first and see if you can apply generative AI if it actually has benefit to it. Well, Jared, that was a great interview. <laughs> uh, but thanks yeah, for coming. I thought that went pretty well. But uh, thanks for coming back. Guys, this is another chance to just to, to close it out here. Um, is there anything that you want to promote, shout out, like, you know, about yourself or what you're doing and that people can come into and they can check out the show notes to, to figure that out too? Yeah. So I build a B2B SaaS product called MoveRight. We build tools specifically for moving companies and we're looking at how we can incorporate some of these uh, AI aspects that we talked about today into our company as well. So if you want to follow along, check us out at about.moveright.app 
or just Google us uh, and uh, reach out. I'd love to chat more if uh, you want to learn more about this industry. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jared, for everything, for coming back, for having the chat with me on stage with people at the King's Head. Uh, this was a blast. So we'll have to do this again on another topic sooner than later. So much fun. Looking forward to it, David. Awesome. Thanks. And now for my afterthoughts. Short story. Or short answer, rather. Should you invest everything into integrating and adopting AI? Absolutely not. Of course not. Why would you do that? Um, I think that was kind of obvious from the get-go. It was more kind of a framing of a bigger problem of that. Is this hype real? Because it doesn't isn't going away. It's going away a lot slower than I thought it was going to go away. And my conversation with Jared kind of just solidified all of that. Should you be investing everything into it? No, just like you shouldn't invest into any other technology, whether it's blockchain or whether it was metaverse. There has been other examples of that in recent history. And if you deeply invested into any of those sorts of technologies, you may have lost a lot out of it. Now, are those industries dead? And has that technology gone away completely? Absolutely not. No, that's still around. And it's still going to find value in other places, right? Facebook hasn't given up on it, or rather Meta hasn't given up on the metaverse, hopefully, considering their name. But I do see artificial intelligence being different because it is enhancing what we already do rather than replacing what we do. And I see that value on a day-to-day -day level for myself. Maybe that people did for the metaverse as well. I don't know, or blockchain. I certainly didn't. But with AI, I definitely see that making people more productive, changing how we do work, getting people to focus on that creative work, um, that human level work. It really does free up that time. It gives us that new capability that we didn't have before. So you shouldn't invest everything into integrating and adopting AI, but you should be at least be aware of it. So in the context of a startup, yeah, you should know how AI can enhance and make you run leaner. It just makes sense, right? Whether it's your sales side of it, or maybe it's your actual customer experience, or maybe it's just the individual administration of your, of your books and different things like that on the inside. Whatever it is, AI has could have a role in there that makes you run leaner and ultimately more efficiently, and then you become a more valuable startup. You can focus in on the problems you're trying to solve as a startup. Now, as an individual, I think knowing how to use AI tools is pretty valuable. I think our conversation highlighted that pretty pretty strongly in our in with Jared. But I would say that, do you need to know it from a developer perspective? I think it does make sense. When I had my conversation in episode three with Solskut, or Timmy Cocky, uh, we we could see we see that value in AI for development from the developer perspective, but also in what it can actually do to offload work. So integrate into your applications and make lives easier again for those startups. Again, making things leaner, making things more efficient. You know, making a solo developer turn into a power a ten x developer. I dislike that term dramatically, but it does at least enhance your ability to. Focus on the development problem rather than the boilerplate stuff that kind of goes with a lot of software development. And with that, I'm going to call it the end of the episode. So thanks for listening or thanks for watching. And I'll see you again next time. Have a good one and we'll see you soon. Subscribe, follow, and learn more at www.rememberthehuman.ai.